oh, you guys are much louder than the Spanish group, for now. <laughs> so, muy buenos dias. There you go. I want to have you speaking in tongues by the end of the service. <laughs> good morning, good morning. My name is William. For those of you who don't know me, I serve God as a pastor for the Ministerio Hispano, which is the Spanish ministry. We congregate every Sunday at 1.15 for a powerful time of praise and worship. And uh, they're gone, but I wanted to say thank you to Arthur and Maria for leading us in this time of worship. It was just, we needed that fuel, right? You come, you have a tough week, but when you get to Sunday and you hear those songs and you hear the children, you see them singing, and you like become refueled. Amen? Amen. So, um, just a little disclaimer before we begin. I am from New York. I was born in the Bronx. At four years old, I moved to my parents' country of origin, which is in Ecuador, South America. So that's why you notice the little accent, as they say. And of course, being a New Yorker, eh, forget about it. Can I say? <laughs> so I'm going to try to keep it slowly because I know Florida is a little laid back. And that's why I moved down here. Wanted to get away from that hustle and bustle. So people ask me, Pastor, do you, you refer to as the Spanish ministry, as the Latino ministry, as the Hispanic ministry? And I didn't like the word Hispanic, mainly because it has the word panic in it. <laughs> but, but, and also it's, it, it could be used as a derogatory term at times, depends how you say it. But that was a lie of the enemy. See, I learned that the enemy does not want us to pray. Can I get an amen on that? Because he knows that when God's people get together to pray, all of us, no matter what nation we are, we become his panic. Think about that. <laughs> all right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. At this moment, we come together to listen to your word. May it be your word that comes through these lips, Heavenly Father, and it reaches every single heart that is here. Give us the wisdom, give us the, the discernment to receive this word and to apply in our lives. And tomorrow, give us the courage to share it with others who desperately need it. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. All right. So if you notice in the, uh, in the bulletin, it's a little blank. That's because... You're going to be writing today. All right. So, um, and Liz, thank you very much for oh, thank you very much for that prayer. It's exactly in line. See, we're only on, on the one spirit. It's exactly in line right now with what's going on. We hear all about this turmoil. We hear all about this this um, trouble that the world is living in. We even experienced it here a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. And it's impossible right now to turn on the TV or access social media without reading about a tragedy that shakes us all, even the most strongest of the believers. Imagine those who are not yet all in, as Pastor Arthur said last week. We live in a world that has become obsessed, obsessed with living in tolerance instead of living in the truth. While I was preparing for this message, I came across an article that's Study some statistics about Christianity. And if you allow me, I'm going to share them with you. A reputable newspaper, I'm not going to say the name of the newspaper, but it's reputable, it says that at a current rate, by the year 2025, 
Christianity will be dead. That's only nine years from now. But see, I disagree with that statement. Although things have changed in the past decade, society may change, laws may change, we serve a God that does not change. He is the same God was then as he is today and he will ever be. See, the church of Jesus Christ is still alive and the great commission of go and make disciples is more relevant today and important just as it was when it was first stated 2,000 years ago. There's another group called the Pew, P-E-W, Research Group, and they conduct polls every so often. And in the year 2007, they published that 74% of households in this nation, the greatest nation in the world, and I have to say that, and I say that because my son standing right there, well, sitting right there, if you don't like the message, you go, go ahead, Michael, stand up a little bit, I, let them see you. He's my bodyguard. He's also a senior airman in the United States Air Force. And I thank God that he was allowed to be here this past week uh, to, be, to share with the family. I, I pray for you every day, Michael. Okay. <clears throat> 74% of the households in this nation have a Christian affiliation. Only 74%. That was in 2007. 2014, just two years ago, two years ago, that number declined to 63%. And it broke down like this. 26% of the household led by men, 26% have a Christian affiliation. Households that are led by women, 33%. Only 4% of college graduates have a Christian affiliation. I can't stress enough, church family, that these are alarming numbers. And they should keep us awake at night. They really should. Some say that churches are responsible for this. But when the true word of God is not taught and spiritual leaders just become entertainers trying to fill up seats, then yes, they are very responsible for that. However, Jesus did not say, go and make disciples to the churches. He said it to men. Men and women. Go and make disciples of all nations. See, back then they weren't the churches. There weren't any. We read in the, in the book of Acts that the formation of the primitive churches, there were groups of people that met in homes to study. Home groups. We know them as life groups here. The attendees will share everything. Their joy, their sorrow. They will learn together, laugh together, serve one another, and most important, pray for each other. That is the true meaning of the church. See, we are blessed to have a beautiful building with air conditioning. Who is joyful that we have air conditioning? Thank God we have AC. Oh, my goodness. But also, we have a dedicated children's ministry with loving volunteers. You saw just some of the kids over here. We saw some pictures on the social media, on the, on, in the Facebook page for, for Avalon Church, how those kids were enjoying themselves, learning about Jesus. We have the Awana ministry every Wednesdays. The VBS, oh my gosh, I just wish the VBS would continue. I know Deanna's going. <laughs> <laughs> we have an amazing youth ministry. I can't speak enough about that fire that I see those, the young people. Just praising God, 
becoming Jesus freaks, if you will. Glory to God for that. We have an amazing men's and women's ministries. We hold up each other. We pray for each other. Amazing leaders with different languages. We, you and I, should be walking excited knowing that there's an Avalon church with the only building coded in this beautiful neighborhood as a church. That, that's a blessing. And while it's a blessing, it is only four walls and a roof. What makes us, what makes Avalon Church a wonderful church is God's presence. God first always. And you, church family, we are a family. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a blessing to this church. Now turn to the person in the other side of you, you know, the one with a serious face, <laughs> and say, you are a blessing to this family. But I ask you, whose family? God's family. We are all children of God, which makes us, he is our heavenly father, makes us all a family. That's the divine plan of God for the world. Father, mother, children. Raise your hand if you have kids. Look at that. Amazing. That's awesome. What a blessing. Some of you have been blessed two, three, four times. And they are a blessing. Even the 30-year-old gamer that still lives with you and has no plans to move now, he's a blessing as well. <laughs> Catching Pokemon and stuff like that. <laughs> should be catching Jesus. That's what you've been doing. <laughs> See, we, you and me, parents, have been called. We have been called not only to be the providers for the family, but the spiritual leaders of our homes. Royal priesthood. Now go ahead and open that beautiful book. And if you have electronic, I know some of you are very technological advanced. I still like the book. But if you have right now an iPad or whatever, just turn it on, the phone. And turn to 1 Peter 2.9. And I'm going to read for the ESV. 1 Peter 2.9. If you don't have it, it's right there on the, uh, on the slides. And the Word of God says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a, a people, but now you are God's people. Say with me, God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Church family, the time is now. The time is now to claim that identity. And live with every inch of truth that this one verse teaches us. But I get it. I can totally, totally understand how it can intimidate you. It contains words and phrases like royal priesthood, holy, proclaim his excellencies, marvelous light. Even the most mucho macho men will say, hold up. We relate words like priesthood and holy as religious terms that require the utmost sacrifice, more than we are, what we are willing to give or more than what we are able to give. And that can be scary. That can be intimidating. 
But allow me to share one word that scared me the most. It confused me. To the point that I would ignore the message that it was being given to me, only to come back after suffering another struggle, another setback, but knowing that there has to be something better than what I was doing. And the word, in that one word in that, phrase, in that verse is chosen. Say with me, chosen. See, to me, it meant that I had some kind of special power or purpose, thinking I was the Anakin Skywalker searching for something, that I was it. But then I would look in the mirror and say, what if I fail? I mean, royally fail. It wouldn't be the first time. How could I be chosen in being in the situation that I was in when I first heard this, mess, this passage? See, allow me to share it. Most of you see me and, and see the Spanish pastor serving at 115 on Sundays. I have some that come to me and said, being that you are closer to God, can you pray for me? I will pray for you even if, if you don't ask me to. When the Holy Spirit talks to me and says, pray for that person, I'm praying. The time is now. But then I said, me? I questioned that. I said, me? Closer to God? How, how could I be chosen? Surely there are others who know the word in depth and are better speakers. I did not feel worthy or prepared enough. Maybe if I would have started younger, maybe if I had a master's in divinity and expository faith and apologetics, some of you here may think the same right now, then this word is for you. If you feel that you don't know enough of the word to share, to teach it, to minister, the time is now to learn it. The time is now to learn it. I once heard a wise man saying that the longest journey begins with the first step. Very wise. I don't know who said it, but I'll, I'll give credit to Pastor Jim. He's a bit of a wise guy. See, it doesn't matter if you, how prepared you think you are. God doesn't care if you have a GED or a PhD. You can have more degrees than a thermometer. He does not choose the prepared ones. He prepares the chosen ones. Let me repeat that because some of you will be like, oh, well, well, he, he just said that too fast. Must be the New Yorker in me. He does not choose the prepared ones. He prepares the chosen ones. Amen? And the word says that you, me, we are the chosen race. And how many of you know that this word is the fallible authority? There's no mistake. There's no errors. You and I were chosen to be here today. No one else could have taken your place. God so spoke it, you're here. But see, I will look into the mirror and doubt this. For years, ignore it. See, William was too busy living la vida loca. My marriage was in the most difficult stage. We only had one child at, a time, that, at that time. And one day, I found myself renting a room in the basement in New York. And if you ever wonder what it's like to live in a basement in New York, it's either hot or cold, no in between. I got to the point that I asked myself, how did I get here? Is this as my life is going to be like? What kind of father, dad would I be? I learned that any, anyone can be a, a father, but it takes a real man to be a dad. 
and not growing up with mine, I wanted to be a real man. I was already the father and realized that the time was now to make that recommitment. Say with me, recommitment. The time was now to make that change, to make that decision. Just like the kid said, I decided to follow Jesus. To make that one decision to be all in. And take that first step. Well, what was the first step? The first step was reconciliation. Say with me, reconciliation. See, not only with my wife, but first with God. My marriage, our marriage, was missing a key ingredient, God. See, I had heard long before that he was always with me. In various New York incidents that should have had other outcomes, it was evident that God was with me. Someone at work had a Bible, and it was always open. I would pass by every day, and I see the Bible open, but I wasn't curious enough to read it. Until one day, they said, you know what? Looking over my shoulder, making sure nobody was there. I looked over, and I, I read these words. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. Those words resounded for days. It's just something that it, it just kind of like, at, at, at that time, I would say, bother me. But now I understand it was the Holy Spirit tugging at my heart. In Spanish, it sounds even more descriptive. Mary bag, lodo senagoso. And that is a thick mud that one, one, when one gets stuck, you, you get to a point that you cannot move and you sink. You sink to the point that it just covers you, just like quicksand. And if you've ever been in, in quicksand, let me describe it to you. Oh, you grew up in Ecuador. It is scary. You have absolutely no control. The more you fight not to sink, the faster you do. The more you struggle, the more you'll be covered and drowned. Have you ever been in a situation that you see no way out? Whether maybe your finances, toxic relationships, health, bad habits, situations that you cannot seem to shake off. I was getting rain on, rain on. At least that's how I, I saw it. But I, one thing I knew is that I wanted my steps to be secure. I just didn't know how I could do that and was too proud to ask for directions. See, men don't ask for directions. Right, ladies? We got this. Right, men? Some ladies are going, listen to him. He's talking to you. He's a wise guy. <laughs> so I don't remember how I got my hands on what I thought it was a very small Bible. In actuality, it was just uh, Psalms and Proverbs. A little tiny book. It was the King James Version too. So, whew, wow. But allow me to make a parenthesis right here. See, I had grown up in a religious and traditional belief system and served in the church during services, funerals, baptisms. However, I was never really taught how to read the Bible. I was even told, <laughs> all the parentheses here, I was even told that if I read the book of Revelations, I will go crazy. 
I mean, really crazy. So one time, maybe two months into the, when I started attending a church, we're sitting there, and we had a guest pastor. He said, for the next two hours, we're going to do some teaching. Fantastic. I was like, yes, give me some more. Take some notes. Open up the Bible to the book of Revelations. I'm like, oh, boy. Where's the exit? My wife turned to me after half hour, and, and she, are you okay? Because you're sweating profusely. I mean, you're like sweating. But I realized that it was a lie of the enemy. He didn't want us to read the book of uh, Revelations because he already says that we have victory. It says that we have, we have won. He doesn't want us to know that. So I started to read and reread, searching for those words and that resounded me so long ago. See, back then we didn't have Google or Siri. See, I, I know, the struggle was real. <laughs> my wife thought that I had lost my mind. And she was right. I needed a checkup from the neck up. And then... Hours later, the words just jumped out of the page. If you allow me to share, we'll go with them. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 40. Powerful Psalm. Psalm 40. And if you have it already, say amen. Perfect. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. This was very evident in that basement that one afternoon. And here are the words. Verse 2. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of my miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. Oh, I don't get tired of praising those words. Making my steps secure. And he continues saying, he puts a new song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. There was a revival in me. Something came alive. Something sparked. You want to call it the aha moment? Go ahead. But that was when the light bulb went on. A new step. See, I went, I went from, instead of singing suavemente, I went to, to start singing, how great is our God. He changed my song. I know, I'm going to leave Maria and Arthur to sing. Okay, thank you. I got it. He continues saying, many will see and fear. And put their trust in the Lord. I ask God every day that when people see me preaching on the altar, that they don't see me, the man. They don't see William. That they see the Son of God. That is my prayer every day I'm up here. I'm a work in progress. I'm not perfect. But the Word says that he who started the, the work in me is going to finish it. So I cling to those words. Verse 4 says, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. How many men, how many you want to be blessed today? Go ahead, man. You can raise your hand. Don't worry. It's not an auction. You're not buying anything. <laughs> we all want to be blessed. We want to have a beautiful home. We want to have a virtuous uh, woman. We want to have kids that listen to us, especially the teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I get an amen on that one. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and who does not turn to the proud. The proud. Myself. My toxic relationships. Those who go astray after a lie. What is the lie? The, what would they think of me? What would my, my friends say? Would they call me a Jesus freak? I went through that. I'm still going through that. Even in my own family. 
You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I learned who God is by having a relationship with him. It wasn't enough just to know of him. I had to know him. I, I came to terms that I could not be a believer CEO on, on Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions. See, case in point, you knew of me, William, today, up until today, but today you're beginning to know a little bit more about me because it's about relationships. It's not about religion. People ask me, what religion are you? I'm like, I'm not a religious guy. I'm not religion. I don't belong to a religion, but I do have a savior. Let me talk to you about him. I use that in there. I will proclaim and tell of them, and yet there are more that can be told. More to be told. More that can be told. That is my mission. Not just as a pastor, but as a believer. Go and make disciples. Remember that one? In sacrifice, it continues in verse 6, saying, In sacrifice and offerings you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. That means he's open to hear me. He listens to me. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Church family. There is nothing you can do or nothing that you have to do to be the chosen one because he already has chosen you. You are chosen. No matter if you feel that you're not worthy or not or whether prepared or not, you are chosen. You are here today. And I know that this is not totally PC to say these days, but we serve a God that doesn't ask us to kill for him, but he died for us. He died for us. As dirty, as perverted, as disgusting as I was, he died for me. Then I said, continue verse 7. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book that is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. That's what our heart should be filled of. His law, his word. But it is a lamp unto Upon my feet. I have told of the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Great congregation, look at this. You guys were even written in there. Amen for that. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. And as you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. Those, those words just kept resounding in me. Those words just gave me, gave me breath. Just every time I was tired, every time somebody rejected the word, I thought they were rejecting me, but they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus. So what I did was I pray over them. I learned that I had to pray over them. They don't, it doesn't matter if they make a commitment with me, if I, if I convert people. That's not my job. My job is just to share the word. The Holy Spirit will come and he will do his job. As for you, O Lord, continues in verse 11, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will even preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. Evils beyond number. That is our everyday struggles. Not only when you have to go into your job and deal with that jefe, that boss, but also temptation, frustration, anxiety, nervousness. Continue saying, my iniquities have overtaken me. You just mentioned a couple. 
and I cannot see because we become so blinded thinking that that is our truth. When our truth is, you are the chosen one. Holy nation. I cannot see, he says. There are more than the hairs of my head. See, and this is why I know when God has a, faith, a sense of humor with me. <laughs> Think about that one. My heart fails me. Hearts fail. Emotions can be deceitful. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. His mercies are new every morning. How many of us know that? How many of us have experienced his mercies new every morning? And then you look back and you're like, oh, God, can we hide what I did Saturday night? Yet his, you come Sunday morning and his mercies are new. His mercies are new every morning. Continues from verse 14 saying, let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. That's the enemy. The enemy is looking to snatch away your life. He doesn't want you to believe the identity that God has given to you. He wants to fill you with doubt, fear, disgusting lives. Let those be turned back. I'm brought to this honor who delight in my hurt. Does anybody have deal with people that are just waiting for you to fail? Quick to judge you? Oh, I thought that you were a believer. I thought that you were a Christian. Why are you going through these hard times? Or is it just me? Verse 15 says, Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. Or how we say in New York, Aha, aha. Quick judges. They're ready to judge. They're ready to point those fingers. When I first came to the Lord, I started serving him because I understood that I had to serve. So I started in the children's ministry. And one of the things that I learned, a child taught me this, that when you point your finger at somebody, you have three fingers pointing back at you. And I was like, wow, that is awesome. Now get out of here. <laughs> Seven-year-old teaching me. One of the greatest lessons I learned in ministry. If you feel that you're not prepared enough, that you don't know the word enough, I challenge you. One month, serve with the children. You will learn lifelong lessons. Because trying to get the King James to explain to a six, seven, eight-year-old, it's a challenge. But when they do, it's a joy. It's a joy. And then you have your kids singing up here, I decided to follow Jesus. And you're like, wow, thank you, God, for using me that way. Thank you, God, for allowing me to witness that. Two weeks ago, I preached about the difference of being happy and being joyful. See, God is Jehovah Shalom. Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Continue saying, may those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Say it right now. Great is the Lord. We need to be singing it. We need to be proclaiming it. We need to be serving it. We need to be declaring it. We need to be rejoicing in it. We need to rejoice. We need to, our faith is about, some of us come with a mourning. And we're not mourning our faith. We're rejoicing it. Jesus is risen. He is alive. 
And he's waiting for you. See, the thing is that Jesus is a gentleman. He doesn't come and possess somebody. It says in, in Revelation, he comes, knocks at the door, and if you open, he will come in and have dinner with you and just chit-chat and relax and all that. It's really cool, sitting down with Jesus. Yeah. He's a gentleman. He's, asking, he's waiting for your invitation, your choice. As for me, I am poor and needy. I have to realize that no matter what social status I, 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 I am in, no matter what my income is, no matter how many degrees I, I have or may have, I am needy. I am poor and needy because you could be very rich financially, but you could be very poor in spirit. But the Lord has take his, takes thought for me. He thinks about me. The author of creation knows my name. And the word said that he knows it from the, the womb of my mother. So I'm thinking, wow, I must be pretty special. As for me, I am poor and needy. The Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh God. And he has perfect timing, doesn't he? Always gets here on time. Never late. He's always there. So this psalm, Psalm 40, became my story, my mantra, if you will. But before I could live it, I went through a process, a learning journey. See, I had to get through in order to get to. How many can relate to that? See, in order to get to, we have to get through. But there was one thing stopping me, and that was fear. Fear of what they say, fear of failing, fear of changing. So I went into the Word to see what it said about fear. And then I found out many stories of how common, insignificant uh, people, you might say, conquer fear. In the book of Joshua, it states very clearly. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Joshua, first chapter, verse 9. How are we doing with time? We're doing pretty good. Okay. We just need five minutes. Who can give me five more minutes? Who can give me five minutes? Five. Two hands. That's 10. Who else? 15, 20. <laughs> so, okay, perfect. We got the time. Thank you, God. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No matter where you go, there you are. And Jesus is with you. This is a promise that he made to us. And we know that when he promises, it is truth. When he speaks, when he speaks, life is given. You may call me old-fashioned, see, but I still believe the miracles still happen. It may not be in style, but I know that there's power in the name that is above all name, in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? In his name, great things happen. Let me ask you, did Jonah stay in the belly of the fish? You can, you can go ahead and answer. Did he stay in the belly of the fish? No. Did Joseph stay in the pit? Did Noah stay in the ark? Did Peter stay in the jail? Did Jesus stay in the tomb? Then if, if Jesus is with me and I've been resurrected, I also will come out of whatever pit I am. That my bug does not hold me back anymore. Because he is with me. But you have to make a choice. You have to see yourself as the chosen one. 
Take heart, for he has overcome the world. And I'll finish with this. We have to make a decision. I came to, to a point that I needed to make a decision. And as the children sang this morning, and there's nothing more beautiful than seeing the kids perform, sing, and, but just the words that they're saying. Young kids praising Jesus. I knew I made the right choice. I do have one regret, though. My regret about making that decision. And that regret is that I didn't make it sooner. I look at 220, the ministry, the youth ministry, led by Arthur. Sometimes I think he's nuts. But you know what? He's nuts for Jesus. And I love to feed off of that energy. The time is now. I want to encourage you, each and every single one of you. You may be here for the first time. You may be here for the first time in some time. That's okay. If you have any questions, please come to see me, Pastor Arthur, Pastor Jim, Pastor Dale, any of the leaders or deacons. We would love the opportunity to answer any questions that you may have. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. The time is now to become the royal priest that he has called you to be. The chosen one. Holy nation, I challenge the men here today, spiritual leaders in your homes, to find that one verse. That one verse is going to make a difference. So you can take up your cloak, seek him out. Next Friday, we have a special event here for the men. I challenge you to be here. More so, I challenge you to bring somebody else with you. Another man. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. We can share and proclaim his victory. Because his victory is also our victory. Can I get an amen? If you're going to clap, clap louder because for, it's for God. I don't like to close any um, sharing of the word without giving the opportunity for people to either commit their life to Christ or recommit their life to Christ. Sometimes all we need is just that shoulder to lean on. Moses needed it, and God sent Aaron and Ur to, op to hold his hands. And when they, his hands got tired and their hands were held up high, the people is victory. So if you need your hands to be held up high, as, as I once did, let me, allow me to be your Aaron, your Ur. Pastor Arthur is pretty strong. He can do two at a time. But it's your opportunity. Because the time is now.